Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Rossap. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap here. It is Wednesday. It's time for The List and your boy 24. I missed my chance to call our last episode the Jordan episode. I'll never get that opportunity again. We will never have an episode number 23 again. I dropped the ball. I would apologize. I would like to apologize so disappointed in myself but i'm not disappointed in you jimmy van <laughs> i'm looking forward to this show i have been i know you looking, are i've been touting this show i've been promoting this show i've been huh? i've been pumping it up i saw that i saw that and and the night i told you that i heard back from uh mr jim Cornette, uh sean was like forward me the email forward me the email i was like uh 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 <laughs> see matt yeah. really used to pull this shit on me too I'd be like, Matt, what's up with this? He's like, we'll talk about it Thursday. I'm like, dude, come on. Come That's on. how you sell it, man. That's how you sell it. I could still sell you know? it knowing. You don't give it away for free, man. Man. Got to make them wait for it. So do you want me to set the stage for this? No, because we're going to get to it. I want to tell a couple okay. stories first. Uh, we will get to the... Listen, you boy, in just a minute. But first, I want to tell a couple of stories. First, I'm going to tell you a non-wrestling story that I think you'll find interesting. Uh, this morning, we're taping this on a Wednesday. I was supposed to... Uh, uh, we're not taping. We are live. All right, all right. Well, for people that aren't watching live, we're <laughs> taping. I was supposed to take my son this morning for his circumcision. How? Yeah. 
Uh, it's something my wife and I want to do. We're not Jewish, but it's something we want to do. And he's uh, about two weeks old. So we're going to take him this morning. You'll never believe what happened, Sean. Our doctor referred us to another doctor that does this kind of thing, right? There is a website we use. I don't know if you guys use it called ratemds.com where you can get reviews on doctors. Last night, I as go my there wife, for all my penis cutting needs. I'm sure you do on a, on a, on a weekly. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. As uh, as my wife was sitting on the couch next to me, planning out the day today, and we're going to leave the house at this time and whatnot. I looked this guy up on uh, ratemds.com, and somebody posted a review, and they were doing it in an attempt to defend the doctor. And what they said was, and I'm not going to mention names, but what they said was, uh, even though he's been accused of causing a 22-day-old to bleed to death, I'm sure that there are other factors that haven't been reported. This is what the review said. So I Googled it, and in 2015, this doctor performed a circumcision on a 22-day-old boy, and the boy ended up bleeding to death. Uh, and the doctor was up before a board of review and whatnot. The reason that I'm not going to completely put all the blame on him is because they think maybe the parents waited too long. They think that the doctor at the hospital was not urgent enough and caring for the boy. But the fact remained, a circumcision by this doctor caused a baby to bleed to death. So what do you think happened when we saw that article, Sean? We canceled the circumcision. Do you think? Yes. We canceled it. So, Sorry, can you believe Jimmy that? Junior, you're dealing with a with a hog hood for the rest of your life, apparently. No, 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 no. we're still going to get it done. Whew. We're still going to get it done, but we're going to get it done by somebody a little bit more reputable. Yeah, you think? <laughs> than this person. Oh, man. And now, look, I realize that the whole online thing, review thing, it's not the be-all, end-all, because you and I know this. Sometimes reviews are manipulated because they're paid to write good ones. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people, people are hateful and they, they write shit because they just feel like it. But you want some kind of gauge, right? Well, hey, it's, a good, it's a good damn thing that you, you followed up. Absolutely. Such. Oh, I always do. I always do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we canceled immediately. Can you believe that? That, that? that this kid bled to death after getting circumcised by that doctor? So, thought I'd tell that story. Isn't that something? Gets deep on the list in your boy. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And well, you know what they thing. say, the first cut is the deepest. Very good. Very good. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to a guy by the name of Jason Jones. You know who Jason Jones is? I feel like I've heard the name, but those are two fairly common names, so maybe just subconsciously I think I have. So he is an NBA writer out of Sacramento, California, and he writes for the Sacramento Bee newspaper. And he was at Game 2 of the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think they were, I in, his name. they were in Golden State or they were in California for the game. And he was there covering the game for the Sacramento Bee, and he was caught by a photographer watching the Extreme Rules pay-per-view on his laptop live. Uh, and I saw that, and I thought that was pretty awesome. And uh, he actually tweeted, because it came out, and whoever took his photo put it on social media. He tweeted, can WWE show me some love for this? Triple H, how, how does the authority view this? Triple H is no dummy. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk later about Roman Reigns and how he kind of is a dummy. Triple H is no dummy. And so he responded, the beauty of the WWE Network, you can watch it anywhere, anytime, on any device, and during any game. You are best for business. So I want to give props to that guy because I thought it was a funny story. Yeah, don't know who credentialed him, but 
or who, what venue or what uh, outlet rather credentialed him, but Sacramento Bee, I think. So I wonder how they. I wonder if they released a statement and uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you can be you can work for one outlet and be credentialed by another. Like that's right. still. But if he's if he works for the B, then there's a good chance that that's that's what did it. Mm. I, I wonder what kind of fallout he got from his boss that sent him to an NBA Finals game though, and he was watching WWE because there, wrestling still has that unfortunate stigma and negative connotation, but. You know what? I think so long as he so long as he did his job, hit his deadline, uh, and look at the look at the uh, press. I guess that you could say he got through social media. I personally, if it was, let's say that I sent you to a wrestling match to cover for Fightful.com, and you were caught watching. Uh, this is Sean Rossap, so let's see. You were caught watching. I don't know women's lacrosse. I would probably have no issue with it, so long as you did your Fightful duties. If you want to take out some time to watch women's lacrosse. You know, you can do that. I don't think I've ever watched women's lacrosse. I've watched some women's soccer. I love uh, women's World Cup soccer. I was close. Not really. Yes, I guess. Let's get into it, Sean. So, first we have to set this up for people that might not be familiar, even though I think almost everybody is familiar. So, there's a gentleman by the name of Jim Cornette, and there's another gentleman by the name of Vince Russo. Jim Cornette uh, was a... Very well-known wrestling manager. Uh, in the 1980s, he managed the Midnight Express. Very well-known. Come on, 90s, every, everybody watching this knows who Jim Cornette is. I, yeah, but I like to set it up for the casuals because, like, my wife doesn't really know. She knows a little, but not a lot, right? I like <gasps> okay. to set it up for the sure. casuals, Sean. All right, be patient. Don't take 10 minutes doing it, Jimmy. I do it in 30 seconds. Relax. I doubt it. I doubt Where's your it. Monster Energy drink? Take a sip of your Monster Energy drink. All right, that'll calm you down. Good, good, good. So anyway, in the 90s, I worked for WWE on television and behind the scenes, later on for Impact Wrestling, later on for Ring of Honor, and he had his own promotion called Smoky Mountain. And then Vince Russo, of course, was a writer for WWE, went on to WCW, went on to Impact Wrestling. Those two have had a hate on for years. Uh, and you can probably understand why, right? I mean, Cornette is kind of the old school, traditional kind of uh, kind of mindset for wrestling. Russo was the more progressive, if you want to call it that, more controversial mind. Uh, one's from the south, one's from the northeast. I don't know if that made a difference, but that's that's just a fact. And the the, they, uh, the irony is the one from the south is the the hardcore Democrat. The one from the north is pretty conservative. Right. Oh, the it's, irony. Cornette is without question the catalyst in in this feud because yes. he's the one that's been the most vocal. And and if you go on YouTube and if you do a, a search for Jim Cornette Vince Russo, there's all kinds of like podcast clips. And uh, some some uh, uh, Comic Con type things where Cornette did the speech or whatever, where he talks a lot of shit about Vince Russo. And Russo has said some things about Cornette too. This came out recently again because Cornette did an episode of Table for Three for the WWE Network alongside Michael Hayes and Eric Bischoff. And Cornette went off about Russo because Eric Bischoff also doesn't care much for Vince Russo from their time together in WCW and in Impact, I guess. Uh, Bish, uh, Russo then responded to the Table for Three segment by uh, cutting a supposed apology on YouTube to Jim Cornette. That wasn't really an apology because he was shitting on Jim Cornette. He swerved him. Yeah, he swerved him. Yeah, but he called it an apology. So what happened was this week I said to Sean, we were talking about this whole thing and how they've gone back and forth. And I said to Sean, do you think it would draw if I could get these guys to do a debate and Sean said, yeah, I, th I think it would. And I said, do you think they'd be interested? 
And uh, you and I both agreed that Russo would probably do it uh, if he was paid. He'd probably do it. Cornette was the one that we weren't so sure about. And the other thing that we didn't know is what would be his magic number? Let's say he was interested. Well, let me cut you off. I, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, sure you didn't know. The numbers that Jimmy threw out to me, now his introductory numbers were very realistic right. for something of this. This wasn't like something that he just tossed out. He was, think, he was asking me, would you be able to go to a neutral location? Would you be able to moderate this? How would we distribute it? How would we get it out there? Like this was a real conversation. Yeah, of, this was real. This was like not just some, oh, we're going to offer CM Punk a million dollars to do our, right. our tournament that's going to get right. canceled. Very, and it was a very good possibility because Jim Cornette lives in Louisville. Right now, Vince Russo lives in Indiana. I've heard somebody posted on our forum saying he might be moving back to Colorado. I don't know anything about that. So that's a very realistic thing. That's a Monday afternoon trip for me. I can do that. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. And I do know that Sean Oliver has made this offer before of kayfabe commentaries, and Cornette turned him down. But right. you know, since then, I mean, Jim Cornette is – Vince Russo is his content by and large. And and again, I did. I mean, I didn't want to be offensive to anybody or insulting in terms of, of uh, in terms of the price. I didn't know where to start. Uh, but this was legitimate. And I even said to Sean, I said, "What would be his magic number? Do you think it'd be five grand? Do you think it'd be ten grand? Do you think it'd be more than ten grand?" We didn't know. The only way to know was to hit him up. And so I sent Jim Cornette an email on Monday, June twelfth. He responded to me that evening. Uh, I'm going to read my email to him, and I'm going to read his email back to me. And then uh, I can't wait to see you. So I got to tell you, Sean, when I got this email back, okay, I chuckled and smiled through it. Uh, I don't know if everybody would have chuckled and smiled if they got an email like this. And I tease you. Oh, no. I tease you about your sensitivity because you are you are hypersensitive, right? So I tease you about your sensitivity. I don't know if you would have smiled and chuckled. If you got I, I probably like would this. have coming from from Jim Cornette if it, if it was what I think it was in maybe, response maybe. to this. But I thought it was funny, and uh, and I'm not offended at all. I'll say this: so, the, uh, the few times I've interacted with Jim Cornette, I've met him. And it was very nice to me in person. Right. So right. I don't know if a lot of this is persona or what, but we'll get into that. How I feel about that, how you feel about that. Let's yeah. hear it. Okay, so I'm going to read my email to him first because I want to make sure that nothing is taken out of context. So here's my sure. email to him first, and I kept it pretty short. So first I say, hi, Jim. My name is James Banner Linden. I own a wrestling slash MMA site called Fightful.com, and I do a podcast on Wednesdays under the alias Jimmy Ban. That's my intro. Nice and simple, right? I don't think it's arrogant. I don't think it was pompous. It was pretty cordial. Don't you agree? I, I do. Then I get to the to the matter. I said, this rivalry with you and Vince Russo continues to pique the interest of online wrestling fans, and so I was wondering if you would consider doing a live debate with him if it was a paid booking. Not sure what the magic number would be for you. Would it be five grand? Would it be ten grand? But I'm open to it if you are. I'd bring you guys together, nothing physical, of course, just a verbal debate, and stream it. Let me know your thoughts. If this is of zero interest to you, then I understand. That was it. Right? Yeah. Again, not not pompous, not rude, right? It's cordial. Basically not how you speak to me on a daily basis. Yeah, it's not how I, I did not call him fucko. That didn't happen. It didn't <laughs> well, happen. Something tells me that he may have called you that. I didn't say Sean I didn't say Jim, how's your mother? You know, it was nothing like that. It was nice yeah. and cordial. He responded and here's what he said. 
he said, and there was no uh, hi, hi, Jimmy, hi, nothing like that. He said, I really was just going to delete this, but I stopped because I had to tell you what a raving fucking lunatic you must be to think that I would work with, cooperate with, or tolerate the existence of in any way that miserable fucking piece of shit for a million dollars, much less five or ten K. Not only do I have zero interest, but you have to be out of your flippin' mind to think that I will have anything to do with him unless it's standing over him with a bat bashing his fucking brains into grape jelly. Fuck you for even writing this to me. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. So he actually he actually told me, fuck you for even writing this to me, and called me a raving fucking lunatic. Now, <laughs> I... <laughs> So I, I have to say here, okay, I have never met Jim Cornette. I've never met, met Jim Cornette. We have never corresponded before. He doesn't know me, and I don't know him. <laughs> fucking and that... jelly. <laughs> fucking jelly. So that email that I sent him that I thought was cordial and polite, that was his response, okay? That was his response. So... I guess the bad news is, and as you can see, I'm able to smile through it, and, and I'm not offended. I think it's funny. The bad news is he's not going to do the debate, Sean. He's not going to do the debate. And uh, I guess all I can really say is, and again, I don't know Jim Cornette. He's a legend in the business, and I'm not going to shit on him because I'm just not going to. But he has some anger management problems. And if he ever sees this clip, if he ever watches this on YouTube, and I'm not joking around. Mm -hmm. I'm being serious. you got to let it go. Because that shit will kill you. You will have a stroke or a heart attack carrying around that much shit. So you got to let it go, man. You know? So that's what happened. So all I said was, hey, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'd like to do. And he said, you're a raving fucking lunatic. Fuck you for even writing this to me. I'm choking. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and when I got it, on, this was on Monday night that I got it. I just I chuckled through the whole thing. How did you wait that long? You should have said... Cancel the post-Raw show. We're doing the list in your boy immediately. Yeah. No, I wanted to wait. I wanted to wait. Well, you're wiping away tears. That was pretty yeah, good. I sure am. Yeah. You're really teared up there, man. Uh, yeah. My eyes are – I look like I just smoked a full dime bag right now. Yeah. Jimmy Van. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So let's – whew, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> okay. So – on a personal level, interacting with Vince Russo, I like Vince. On a personal level, the limited interaction I've had with Jim Cornette, I like Jim. Now, I, I, me and Jim aren't like buddies or anything. Probably doesn't even know who the hell I am. Yeah. Uh, asked him for some help on a Muhammad Hassan article that didn't get to come about. I met him maybe a time or two. I thought the way that Vince handled this entire situation was just categorically better. Just categorically better. I don't believe in threatening physical harm on someone, attacking their family, making death threats over wrestling. Come on. I don't to be, care. To be clear, now to be clear, he said, uh, uh, unless it's standing over him with a bat bashing his fucking brains into grape jelly. Let's make sure we take, you know, take the proper context. So is he saying that he would have accepted the offer had you said, hey, will you come bash his fucking head in? Until it turns um, into jelly. Well, let me see. And so if you so, said, what's the price? Not like Vince is going for that or that we would go for that. But what's his, what's his price on that? Because that is 
That's jail time. So if I'm going to be, if I'm going to play semantics, he said, I have zero interest, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He said, I have zero interest unless. Ooh. If you want to use semantics. So you're I have, saying there's a chance. There's a chance. Do you watch Walking Dead? You watch Walking Dead. Of course. Right? Negan? Yeah. So basically what he's saying is kind of like Negan. He's basically saying, I have zero interest unless I can Negan Vince Russo. Yeah. That's what, that's what he said. Would he said. wear the leather jacket? He could wear the leather jacket, and Mick Foley's got the, you know, got the bat there. You know, he yeah, could do I that. Mean, you would figure he would want to do it with a tennis racket. Right? Live the gimmick. Live the gimmick, because, I mean, one, you could sell, well, no, the, the tennis racket would be evidence, first off, but you could sell it. I, I don't know. But No, you could have nail cover, a nail-covered tennis racket. There's a person that says, well, to be fair to them, it's not wrestling, it's their job. To us, it's just wrestling. No, this is my job, too. This is... Yeah, part of Jimmy Van's job as well. It ain't worth that. It is not worth that. No situation in wrestling, short of short of physical confrontation, is worth something like that. No, I mean, look, I've never worked with Vince Russo. Obviously, I was not in WWE when he was. I was not in WCW when he does when he was. And we've heard things about, you know, I mean, Eric Bischoff claims that Russo used to lie to him, used to go behind his back. I know the Bash of the Beach thing did not go down the way that they had planned as an example. So Russo's not an angel, and I think that Vince himself would tell you that, that he's yeah. not an angel. Uh, uh, we're going to play a clip uh, from J.J. Dillon in a week or two where he says that Vince Russo apologized to him uh, for, for once blasting him, uh, cutting a promo on him, as he said. So Russo's no angel, but... Carrying around, I mean, it's been. Did they did, did Cornette and Russo ever uh, interact in Impact, or was it only well, they, WWE? They had to have. They, they did worked they? together. Yeah. Oh yeah, they worked together. Uh, so that was what ten years ago. Yeah, maybe, maybe even maybe even more recently, but. I mean, the but carrying is, carrying around that much that much. Well, it's his it's his content, Jimmy. That's that's his thing. That's what his people like. That's that's the. That's the gag. That's. I mean, you know deal. what? I guess it is within the realm of possibility that he wrote that back to me knowing I was going to read it on the podcast. Right? Possibly. Sure. I mean, that's within the realm of possibility. Savvy. Savvy. Of it could be. I mean, he said at the beginning of it that he was just going to delete it, uh, but then he felt the need to tell me what a raving fucking lunatic I was. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. But I, I just I mean, thought like, that was an amazing, amazing uh, response. Like, and there's I, the talk of a fight and stuff. Yeah. All due respect to both guys, neither one of you is fighting anybody. That ain't no. happening. That, no. Yeah, that not happening. And but if I so, don't, neither one be, of them wants to either, right? I mean, I don't know. I think, I think Cornette maybe said that he. Now, now, pardon me because I'm not up on his show or anything, or Vince's for that matter. Mm-hmm. But I believe Cornette said like the, he would only fight him, he wouldn't debate him, something like that. Uh, but. I don't know that I've ever met anybody in wrestling, and I get trolled quite a bit that I've like wanted to, to beat up. No. I mean, I've, I've had situations in business, I'll be honest. I've had situations in business where guys have stabbed me in the back, yeah. and for a short, short period of time, you think, if I see this guy at a, at a convention, I might want to take a shot at him, yeah. but in time, you let it go. You let it go. You know, that, that being said, like, you know, Vince is a pretty sensitive guy himself for what he dishes out. Like Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson are doing a podcast this Friday yeah. about Vince and his time in the WWE. And Vince is upset about it. 
And I sent Vince a text, and I said, Vince, this is very good for you. Oh, absolutely. For it's better or for worse, like regardless of what they say, this is very good for you. Absolutely. They, they invited him to their, their Sunday show in St. Louis where they, they do a live show, and I messaged Vince. I said, Vince, that would be a good idea for you to go because let's be honest, and this isn't a disrespect to Vince, but some of the things that he has said socially over the past year while mm-hmm. he was trying to make the transition out of wrestling kind of had – a negative effect and mm-hmm. he was like how is their podcast so big and i was like well for one conrad calls bruce on his shit that's a big important part of successful podcast somebody's got to call you on your shit they mm-hmm. don't divide their audience with social subjects that will put them in headlines for negative reasons mm-hmm. and they don't talk about today's wrestling which as i've mentioned before that's a thing i tried to pinch to vince from early on because that was the big complaint about Vince was he didn't like anything of today's wrestling, and I thought let's just talk about old stuff, which is what we're doing now, and it's worked out. Yeah, pretty, but you know what? You know good. what? I mean, we, you and I have talked about this off the air. Vince has also, I think, done way too many shoot interviews. Yeah, he's done way too many shoot interviews. A lot of his stories have already been told. Pritchard wasn't really doing that because Pritchard was still. Remember, he was working for JBL for a while, and he had regular jobs, and he was kind of offline. And so a lot of the stuff that he's talking about now is kind of still new, whereas well, with Russo, you've heard Pritchard, a lot. Of- Pritchard did a ton of interviews. Like I, He helped me with the Brawl for All article. He's done a lot of stuff with Sean Oliver as well. And to be honest with you, you put – I'm not trying to put myself over. You put a Conrad Thompson. You put me. You put Sean Oliver. You put uh, Brian Alvarez. You put any of these people who interview people for a living with somebody who has had an extended experience with Vince McMahon – get you stories all day long. There are all, so many different aspects because there are so many different characters. Like, how did Vince McMahon react to Al Snow? That isn't something that's, like, widely out there that he covers. How did he react to the Job Squad? What made him think that putting the Job Squad on a T-shirt was a good idea, considering uh-huh. that was the transitional era between kayfabe and maybe not kayfabe, and that uh-huh. was very much an inside term? There are a lot of things like that that... that Bruce is able to go into that Vince I still think is able to go into that he hasn't talked about and that JJ when he stays on topic is able to go into because JJ was there for a long time too I think that Paul Heyman's another one of those guys Joey Mm -hmm. Styles would be another one of those guys because he was always there in ECW that would be able to have those types of stories Uh, anybody Johnny Ace would be a guy Pat Patterson would be the ultimate but he ain't never doing that I think there are a lot of guys that do that, and I think Vince is very serviceable in that because, I mean, we we did an interview with him, and we found out that Triple H and Shawn Michaels did not want the New Age Outlaws in DX. Like, at all costs, they were Mm -hmm. against it. They they Mm -hmm. didn't like it. So I think he's got plenty of stuff that he can tell. I think he's got a, a wealth of knowledge. The funny thing is, though, Jimmy, as it pertains to their pro wrestling philosophies, these two guys are remarkably similar. Russo and Cornette have far more in common than they would ever care to admit. Should I respond to uh, Cornette's email and tell him that? Should I say, why would you not want to do it? You and Russo are like brothers. You guys have like so much in common. I mean, if you're trying to get content for us next week, then yeah. Yeah, that would do it. Speaking of yeah. content next week, guys, go register at Fightful.com and use our forums. We have a contest up under open discussion. Here is the contest. The winner gets a Filsinger Games starter pack. If you can correctly guess next week the number of bros that Vince drops in his segment, 
and you are first to guess it, you will get a Phil Singer Games starter pack. Thanks to the people over at Phil Singer Games for supplying us with that. Head over to our Fightful forums. We got a little bit of everything there. People are posting movie reviews in there, Jimmy. I saw that. Yeah, I, I saw it. that. That's I good. I love it. You know what? I think this would be a good time for the JJ segment just because he talks about Cornette. Yeah. Since we're talking about Jim Cornette. Right? I spoke to JJ Dillon recently, and uh, in, with the theme of Money in the Bank coming up, I wanted to ask him about gimmick matches and ladder matches. He talks a little bit about that, but we touched on several other topics here. Uh, but story time with JJ Dillon. When, when are we going to get him a special intro? Like some nice smoking music or something? We can get something done. Maybe we can have like horses neighing or something. I don't know. We'll figure That'd something out. Cool. That'd be cool. Guys, here is J.J. Dillon, the one and only. I also had a question about Tully and Arn leaving for the WWF. Was there an ending plan for that Midnight Express program? Because it kind of just ended abruptly. Would the Midnights get a run with the World Tag Team titles after a match with Starcade? How would that have worked out? Well, I'm off, that's another question that gets asked a lot. You know, why, why didn't the... The matches between Tully and Arn, Horseman, and Jim Cornette with the Midnight Express. Why? Why wasn't there a, a lengthy program work between the two? And my answer was, when you have two heel teams, both of which were heel, heel teams, that have a track record of success, as Tully and Arn did as Horseman, as the Midnight Express did with Cornette, who's one of the great managers of all time. Uh, why would you put them in a match when you have two proven commodities that draw, when you have the Road Warriors around, when you have the Rock and Roll Express around? There were a lot of options for matches on cards. Don't take the two heel teams and put them because then that leaves a lot of these other guys. And there weren't a lot of other heel teams that, that could have, carried the load, in my opinion. I'm very proud of Tully and Arn. I think they're probably the greatest, maybe the greatest tag team I ever saw. Um, and the same thing, I'm a huge, huge fan of the Midnight Express. But that's the reason that I tell them. And they, I, I, a lot of guys look at, in their career, they look at their match and they focus on that, which is fine. But I was always on the creative side of it, looking at the big picture the whole card and where we could go next week and where we've been last week and what happened. So there was no, the Tully and Arn were drawn, the Midnight Express were drawn. And it was like towards the end as they were getting ready to leave. And it had been a sh kind of a short term. I mean, I don't, I don't remember how much notice they gave, but they, they gave a sufficient enough notice because you weren't booked way, way out. And, uh, so they needed to drop the titles, and the Midnight Express were certainly the logical people to be the new champions. Eminently, WWE will be holding a Money in the Bank pay-per-view. The latter match is one of the, the feature attractions on that. You were around in the WWF when they introduced the latter match. Now, obviously, they had been around decades before, but we'll talk specifically in relation to the WWF. There was one that was taped for a Coliseum home video between Brett Hart and Shawn Michaels a couple of years before the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon ladder match. What do you remember about those being introduced in the WWF and what were your thoughts on them? 
I'm not a big fan of, I'm kind of, I guess, contradicting myself. I'm not a big fan of quote unquote gimmick matches, which I guess you could make the case that the war games is, uh, is a yeah. gimmick match, but it was highly successful. I suffered the worst injury of my career in the first one on the Omni on the 4th of July. And the level of violence uh, was established. And I think there were 14 in all. And I think they all sold out everywhere that they ever went because um, we set the stage with the very first one. They didn't really know what it was a first for that kind of match. Uh, but scaffold, I, I don't even like three-way matches. I like the competition of two guys vying for a title rather than three guys and, and, and trying to tell, tell a story. Scaffold matches too. And I don't remember a lot of specifics of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels other than a, a general observation that talent-wise you had two of the true greats in the ring in all time in that match. So if there are two guys that could figure out mechanically how to, to work with what they had, which is an added dimension other than just everything that takes place in a, in a normal match in the ring. Those two guys could figure it out. And I know would blow the roof off the building. When you say ladder match, I think of a match with a midnight express where Jim Cornette was hanging off the ladder, looked down and let go and blew his knee out. And to this day, uh, <clears throat> I feel for Jim Cornette because that was the worst thing yeah. in his career. Blew out both of them, I think. I, I, I think so. One, but one was, as I remember, was worse than the other. Jim, I should know, <laughs> but <laughs> I apologize to you. I just know that it was a tremendous bump off that thing that I would not have want to take in. And uh, you always have been, like I say, one of the great managers of all time and dedicated to the business that, it wasn't like, oh, I can't do this. And if I remember right, boss man Ray Trailer was underneath and was either supposed to catch Cornette or break his fall. And somehow, as the timed out and was about to happen, Cornette looked down and boss man wasn't there yet or would have had to move some distance to be there to break his fall. Cornette couldn't linger there forever and had to let go. And then he was straight to the mat, blew out both, both knees, one in particular. So that's that's a dedication that Jim Cornette has to this profession, why I have such admiration for him. Good old J.J. Dillon. It was a journey to get some of those answers, but by God, I got them. <laughs> you know what? I, I have always believed gimmick matches are okay if they're done for a reason and not if they're just done for the purpose of having a gimmick match. So, like, for example, Extreme Rules – where they felt the need to have gimmick matches, although there weren't very many, uh, as it turned out, on that particular show. But they feel the need to fill a card out with gimmick matches because that's the purpose of the pay-per-view. The match becomes the reason. or like It, it goes yeah. opposite. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. And, uh, and uh, one other thing, he mentioned the scaffold match. I've never – I've always hated the scaffold match. What a terrible and idea. I haven't seen one in many years. I don't know why. I don't know why after the first one they decided to do another one. 
because and, and anybody that's not familiar with the scaffold match, all it was was a ladder on this side of the ring, a ladder on that side of the ring, and a scaffold going across the top. That was probably what, Sean, four feet wide, three feet wide. Yeah, very terrible. very narrow. And guys, they couldn't wrestle up there because they were afraid of losing their balance and falling off. So all they would do is throw a few punches, and and then eventually somebody would supposedly get thrown off. Hated it. And uh, what happened to Cornette in that match was brutal. I mean, he wasn't trained to take a proper bump anyway. But even if he was he taking wouldn't. it. That, you know, off those Sorry. knee that you you can see it. I think it may have been on the Road Warriors DVD. Uh, right. If you all want to check out something recent, which is probably on the network, just the angle that Cornette comes down and his knees just gone, just right. gone. And I don't think there's been one in like mainstream pro wrestling since like 2008. Rhino James yeah. Storm at Destination X. They've had some Elevation X matches, which are kind of similar. Yeah, but, it's a little bit. A little bit, but yeah, they don't they don't need to do them ever again. I do I do like War Games a lot, and there have been teases over the years about War Games coming to WWE. I really think that someday when Triple H has more authority, there will be War Games in WWE, uh, and I like the concept of that. But yeah, the scaffold match, no place for it. Well, I think if WWE wanted to do it in its own way, I've said this multiple times. They have the elimination chamber structure, which if WCW could have invented a structure specifically for War Games, they would have mm. made the Elimination Chamber. That way you just release guys one by one, and there they right. are in the ring, and it's perfect. And I love the, the updates they made to the Elimination Chamber earlier this year. They made right. it safer for the wrestlers, but more innovative for the wrestlers. So I thought Absolutely. that was cool. Yep. Yeah, after I New Jack and Vic Grimes, I can't imagine a bunch of people want to do scaffold matches anymore. Did you ever see that in XPW? Vaguely remember. Vic oh, Grimes man. took the big bump, right? Or was it a power bomb or something? So what happened was Vic Grimes had hesitated on a, like a dive off of a balcony in ECW and landed on New Jack's head. And I guess, according to New Jack, bragged about it backstage. A couple of years later, they have a scaffold match. And there are like 10, 15 tables set up in the ring. Vic Grimes hit one of them. And right. New Jack has said that he was trying to kill Vic Grimes by throwing him into the ring post. Right. I mean, we don't need to go off on New Jack, but New Jack should probably be uh, incarcerated. Yes. Have you, have you seen some of the stuff he did? And he attacked a guy with a switchblade and Gypsy Joe, I think it was, that he he, he shot on oh, in the boy. ring. Whatever. We don't need to go to, to well, give I mean, him any Gypsy more press. Gypsy Joe kind of shot on him too, but... Gypsy uh, Joe was like 70 years old and like 5'2". I mean, come on. You know? He got that ass whipped right quick, too. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> um, okay, we're boy, the, we're whipping through time today. I don't even know if I'm going to have enough time for everything on the list, so let's get to the good stuff. Um, I want to talk about medical clearances and returns in WWE because Lots it ties... Yeah, well, it ties into something we talked about last week, and then you had an exclusive that ties into that, so I want to talk about this. So uh, they just recently announced... A bunch of people have been medically cleared or are about to be medically cleared to return to WWE. That includes Emma, who's already back on TV. Zack Ryder's already back on TV. Rusev just got cleared. He'll be on the SmackDown brand. Braun Strowman got cleared. He'll be on Raw. Paige uh, apparently is almost ready to come back. Then on top of that, you look at the returns that, that are going to be in the works over the next few months. John Cena's coming back July 4th. Kurt Angle is likely going to do a match. Triple H is likely going to do a match. Chris Jericho is probably back in August. There's rumors like Goldberg is going to come back. Look at all the talent that they have, barring injury to anybody currently, uh, that they have on the roster. And this ties into what we talked about last week about the offseason for talent. 
and how we think that there should be an offseason for talent of six weeks to two months because they can come back. They can take care of some of their injuries. They can come back with a fresher brand. Uh, and when you look at, say, a, uh, a Rusev, Rusev is going to get a massive pop when he returns because he's been gone so long. Braun Strowman is going to get, I think, a strong reception when he comes back. Paige is going to get a massive reception when she comes back. Cena, of course, is going to get a big reception when he comes back, but he's John Cena. But uh, I really think that they, this is something they should consider. And you said that you were told that they kept guys off Raw intentionally for this reason, so they're not overexposed. Yeah, uh, specifically Bailey, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, and I had kind of mentioned the Hardy Boys to the, the two people that I talked to, and they said, no, no, they weren't a part of that. That was just due to the, the childbirth, uh, Matt, Matt's kid and all that. So yep. they weren't of that concern, which is funny because I just think it would be a nice thing for them to do because the Hardy Boys are beaten up bad. Uh-huh. Poor uh-huh. Matt can barely walk. I will say that for all the damage his body's been through, he has found a great way to work through it. But, yeah, we're seeing this all the time. Like, you mentioned mm-hmm. Paige, you mentioned Rusev, Emma, Dash Wilder, like, Braun Strowman's clear. All these names are mm-hmm. coming back all at once, and they're having trouble getting some people on the shows. So, like, yeah. like Grand, for example, Grand Metalik was a guy that they waited for to come and be in that cruiserweight division. Right. I don't remember if he's ever even been on Raw. He can't get on Raw. He right. can't do it. American Alpha, Ty Dillinger, they can't get on SmackDown. Right. And that was before I mean, New Day came back. In order for this to really work, the talent has to have established themselves before they go. Because otherwise, their return's not going to mean a whole lot. And, and with, all due to Zach, with all due respect to Zack Ryder, he was brought back in a backstage segment on SmackDown. Uh, and there's not going to be a huge buzz over a guy like Zack Ryder because when he left, it was kind of done quietly. But somebody like Rusev is different. Somebody like Braun Strowman is different. Finn Balor is different. John Cena is different. If they can work to establish these guys, then give them six to eight weeks off, it'll make the return that much bigger. Uh, and I really think they should look at doing it. And, and speaking of the Kurt Angle Triple H thing, we spoke last week about the Kurt Angle Corey Graves storyline. Uh, and I think I kind of bummed you out a little bit because I told you that I thought it was to bring Stephanie back <laughs> and that maybe the highlight could be a Kurt Angle Triple H match. Maybe that's where it'll come to. And now it looks like that's the plan. It looks like the plan is Kurt Angle Triple H. Yeah, if it's Kurt Angle Triple H, I'm sure the match is going to be really, really good. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm not that concerned. But as we see on SmackDown, you don't have to have an authority figure on there every week no. or no, barely at all. Can you imagine if SummerSlam – now, a lot of this is up in the air because it may or may not happen. Uh, like Roman Reigns next week is going to announce his intentions for SummerSlam. People are saying maybe it's John Cena, maybe it's not John Cena. Can you imagine best-case scenario if at SummerSlam you got Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, Kurt Angle, Triple H, Roman Reigns, John Cena? Can you imagine? I mean that's that's, that's, a, that's a WrestleMania card. That is. If they could do that, right? I think it definitely is. The thing about bringing Stephanie back – I don't remember the last time they went a year without having a heel authority figure. Right. Now, granted, the NBA went like 30 years with a heel authority figure and David Stern, but they got played yep. out. They got their baby face, Adam Silver, and to me, it seems I, I hear more NBA talk than ever. Uh, not, not that those two are related, but you don't have to have a heel authority figure. And in fact, if you don't for a very, very long time, when you do, it makes it mean a whole lot more. 
But the thing is, it's not just about having a heel authority figure. It's about who was portraying that heel authority figure. Because when Miss McMahon was the heel authority figure, if you think back to the 90s, everybody shit on Miss McMahon. Right. He was getting hit by bedpans. Uh, remember when Stone Cold did the, did the beer truck? Vince, the, the, the pro that he was, he took the biggest douse of anybody and he was like uh, uh, swimming in the ring, you know, from the beer. The difference is that that doesn't happen to yeah, Stephanie. That was that was 20 years ago, too. Like we hadn't seen it for 20 years at that point. We've seen right. it for 20 years at this point. Right. There's nothing wrong with having Stephanie come back and say, I was wrong. I need to. I don't need to disrespect my audience because that's the thing. When Never you claim happen. when you claim best for business on yeah. TV, yeah. then you troll your audience. That's I don't know. You ever see Stephanie McMahon coming on TV and saying I was wrong? <laughs> Even in storyline, doubt it. Even in storyline, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> not gonna happen. What do you think about uh, John Cena is now going to be a free agent, and we know the real reason why he's going to be a free agent. What do you think of that? think they fuck SmackDown every chance they get. Mm. That's what I think. They did it with The Undertaker. They're doing it with John Cena. Yep. They, I mean... They, they they bring a bunch of new guys over and they make Jinder Mahal the main eventer. I want to ask you something about Jinder Mahal. Sure. Uh, and I don't want to generalize and I don't want to stereotype, but... Good luck. My wife, you said Jinder Mahal. You're getting hate for it. Well, I know, I know. My wife brought this up to me. You know when he's doing his entrance and he's got the turban on and he's got part of the turban covering his face? Mm-hmm. My wife said to me uh, when he did that a couple of weeks ago, don't they see that there could be some people that see a terrorist connotation to that? That's what my wife asked me. What do you think about that? I think they want people to see that. You think so? You think they're trying to get heel heat that way? Yeah, any way they can with that. Because uh, that's brutal if that's the intention. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, the guy well, doesn't wear a turban in day-to-day life, right? Keep Even in though mind, he's... the reason Muhammad Hassan went away is because they had terrorists show up and attack The Undertaker. Right, right, yeah. I mean, they really went over the line with him. Remember, he used to do the mark across the throat and... Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so we talked about John Cena, so now let's talk about Roman Reigns because this ties into John Cena. Uh, and we have talked before about Roman Reigns and about how here is a guy who is clearly positioned in WWE as the top guy right now, outside of John Cena. There's clearly value in Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, though, either he doesn't recognize the value or he doesn't know any better, still takes part in everything he's told to do. He still cuts the shitty promos. Uh, from what we see, it doesn't look like he has a lot of creative input into changing this stuff. That's one element of his character that I think he needs to work on. Another element I think he needs to work on is his behavior on social media. And let me ask you a question. John Cena has been on top now for what, 10 plus years, right? Mm -hmm. Can you think of one time in 10 years that John Cena has been on top when he has uh, gone on Twitter and, and written hashtag dumbass Mark? No, but One I, time? Can, I can think of a time last week when he said that WWE wrestlers don't step up enough, and I don't know if I agree with that. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he's towing the company line with that. Vince McMahon says stuff like that. Cena's never said hashtag dumbass Mark. He has never gone on Twitter and called somebody an amateur. He has never gone on Twitter and said, WWE is the top of the mountain in pro wrestling, a view you'll never deserve or get to enjoy. Cena has never, ever said stuff like that. Well, Do you the, think it's... The thing is, they should love Marks. 
Marks are the people who believe in what you do and pay money for it. That's, that's exactly the, you my love point. Them. That's exactly my point. Exactly my point. And I, when I see Roman Reigns doing these things, I just question how – I don't want to use the word dumb, but I question how unaware he is. I will, say, I will say the guy that criticized him was kind of dumb. Oh, I'm, I'm, not, he, I'm not defending him. He, he unleashed – This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working – the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The same old he wrestles 20 minutes and you're lucky to see four moves type of thing. And I'm like, guy, come on. There's I'm no not defending say that him. About Cena. Also, did you see one of the people that chimed in? Uh, no. Their name was basically a parody of me. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was really you. You were shitting on Roman Reigns? No. Uh. I, I enjoy Roman Reigns for the most part. I've enjoyed him a lot lately because I think those crappy promos have been cut down. I can't remember the last promo he cut that afterwards I was like, oh, man. I just, it- I think he needs to learn about how to carry himself. I think he, he needs to learn about how to capitalize on his stroke, for lack of a better word. I think he's been great since uh, before WrestleMania, since they've really capitalized on that. They've, I don't remember the last long, long, long promo he had. Now, I could be wrong. I'm sure somebody will send me one from April or something. But Well, I think wasn't it two weeks ago when he said in a backstage thing, he said, I am the big dog and this is my yard. Remember yeah, that was one like of those. That was that was bad. I yeah. I guess I was thinking about out in front of a crowd, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one other thing I want to talk about in uh, that relates to this. So John Cena was a call-in guest on a show called the Kyle and Jackie O Show uh, out of Sydney, Australia, because he's going to be in Australia next month. He's doing a, a like a speaking tour or something, yeah. paid appearance tour. So he was a call-in guest. Uh, he was asked what he thought of Donald Trump. And let me tell you something about John Cena. John Cena has had proper training on how to talk to the media, how to not divide divide your audience. He knows what he's doing in that setting, right? And so the answer he gave was very generic. It was very diplomatic. Uh, He knew what to do. He knew not to piss off half his fan base too, I should add. Do you think Roman Reigns, from what we've seen of him, let's say that Roman Reigns was not a Republican, 
right, or not a Donald Trump supporter. If he was a call-in guest and if he was asked about Donald Trump, do you think Roman Reigns would say he's a fucking moron and uh, and uh, I can't believe anybody voted for him? Like, do you think he would not know any better? I don't know. Mm. That's tough. Because John Cena gets it in a way that few people ever have gotten it. It's true. I mean, you have Big Show who's been there for 20 years and he's going out, he's trashing the writing team today. Yeah, but Big Show's in a point in his career where he doesn't care. Right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, Roman, Roman Reigns is not at that point. Right? Yeah, he, and he should be because they're going to fire him. If they no, fire him, right. they may make him bigger than ever. You're right. You're right. And, and I mean, if I was Roman Reigns, and obviously my mindset and your mindset is, is different than his, but if I was Roman Reigns, I would not take, number one, I wouldn't take any shit when it comes to those promos. And number two, I would not be on social media at all. Like, at all. Aside from, oh, hey, I'm going to be doing this appearance. Oh, hey, I'm going to be doing this. That is literally all I would say on social media if I was in his position. Because you can't win. There, there's no winning, right? If you, if, you, if you troll anybody or if you post any negativity. So, I can't believe he, I just couldn't believe that he did hashtag dumbass Mark. Like, the, I just... I don't know, man. I don't know what to think I, I of the was, guy. I was a bit torn on this situation because the guy went out of his way to say, I am a wrestler, and this is how I feel, and I don't want to go to WWE. I know that, but you just got to just let it go and not say anything. That's the sure. only way to, right, to win it. Let's get to, the, uh, let's get to the nicknames. Okay. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Hit me with him, Jimmy. I got to tell you, Sean. So first off, uh, uh, thanks to Trevor Strong for that song, The Stupid Song. Check him out at trevorstrong.org. And thanks to Gisberto Guzzo, who uh, does the nickname counts for us. The Sean, the legend, Gisberto Guzzo. Sean, let me tell you, man. When I see these numbers, okay, and when I look back to two, three weeks ago, I hear angels sing, Sean. Yeah. I hear angels sing because I feel like someone is paying attention. I feel like someone is starting to figure out. And you know what I really think? I think Corey Graves is listening, Sean. I feel like he's listening. He should. Let me, let me, let me tell you Why what I'm talking he? about. Why wouldn't he? Right. I mean, fuck, you're Sean Ross out. So uh, Raw this week, uh, nickname usage 51 times. Okay. Uh, the, the main ones were The Beast 11 times, Lunatic Fringe 9 times, The Boss 4 times, King of the Cruiserweights 4 times. Here's where things start to make me tear up a little bit, Sean. Who said it? Michael Cole 23 times, Corey Graves 12 times, Sean, in a three-hour show. Did Booker say it at all? No. Per usual. Yeah, no, no. Now, SmackDown this commentary. week. SmackDown this week, and are you ready for this one, Sean? Oh boy, Tom Phillips. Two-hour show, right? SmackDown, two-hour show. Nickname usage, 18. Ooh. Only nine an hour. Uh, the main ones you is Maharaja five times, The Artist three times, New Face of America three times, The Viper three times. Who said it? Tom Phillips six times, JBL five times. Uh, now, if you look at previous weeks, because I like to do a comparison, I want to see if they're a positive trend, Sean. We're looking for positivity here, right? We want to see some... I'm full some, of positivity. Uh, you're always full of positivity. I am. So uh, the May 22nd Raw had 74 examples of nickname usage. Jesus. 74. Christ. 
The Backlash pay-per-view, 95 times. The May 29 Raw, 75 times. The Extreme Rules pay-per-view, 74 times. You're seeing the trend, 74, 95, which is not 75, 74. Then the June 5 Raw, 42, and this week's Raw, 51. There's been a drastic reduction. I told you, I mentioned this on last night's podcast, so you never know when I'm going to drop some nuggets, y'alls. But on the post-Smackdown uh-huh. show, when I spoke to uh, – one of the people I spoke to about the overexposure thing, they said that – I mentioned this part of our show. And they said mm-hmm. that Triple H particularly really dislikes that forced stuff. Right. And he wants his commentary. Now, he doesn't have a lot of say, but we're hearing about – some. We're hearing about Triple H and Vince McMahon clashing more and more. Right. And apparently you know this is one of the points of contention. For all of Triple H's faults in terms of you know political decisions and whatnot, I feel like when it comes to the product that he would make it better. Like I, I Because he is a wrestling guy and he's a wrestling fan and I feel like he would make it better. When you look at – I'm only going to look at Corey Graves. I'm not going to even bother with Michael Cole because Michael Cole has more or less stayed around the same number week by week. If you look at Corey Graves, May 22nd Raw, he said nicknames 22 times. The May 29 Raw, 29 times. So things, you know, started to get out of control that week. Then the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, 23 times. Raw last week, 14 times. Raw this week, 12 times. So he's drastically reduced the number of times. And you know, Corey Graves is a Triple H guy from NXT, right? Yeah. You think maybe Hunter has pulled him off to the side a little bit and said that stupid cut it out? What do you think? Maybe. Maybe, because Vince has final say, and Michael Cole trains these guys. Yes, he does. Yeah. Like, I remember even at those NXT events in Columbus, Michael Cole was there helping, like, produce some of those. Like, he was there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and the thing is, Triple H, since he can't really – well, he can. But if he were in control, I don't think that he would have that much trouble really doing what he considered to be best because he's not booking himself. For all the politicking that we heard he did, he did that for himself. For a long time. Now right. I think he'd be more worried about lining his pocketbooks or, or lining his pockets, lining his wallet. That's right. also something that I always noticed about Jeff Jarrett. When Jeff Jarrett didn't book himself, right. I thought his booking was actually pretty good. But then right. when he had to book himself, you would get year-long title reigns in TNA when yep. Amani Brown should have been champion or people like like It's something that we see, and it's happened for decades and decades and decades in wrestling, oh, going yeah. back to you know, Vern Gagne doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's nothing new, but... Now, one thing I want to add here is, uh, and if Gisberto is watching this, you've like gone above and beyond. He has been going back and watching old episodes of Raw, and he's been counting nicknames. What a legend. And he's done, I bet you he's done six or seven of them, and I only took two examples because I told him I've got more than enough info. So, like, I don't need to, to you know, come on here and do the numbers for 18 different shows. But uh, an episode of Raw, July 21st, 1997, when they were two hours long, there were eight nicknames used in two hours. And two of them were from Tony Chimmel, who was the ring announcer, right? Because that's how it should be. Then the uh, April 28, 27, 1998 Raw, there were more on that one, 17. Uh, Tony Chimmel was responsible for three of them. So if you do look most weeks then versus now, it's definitely more noticeable now than it was then. And it's definitely more intentional now than it was then. But... The last two weeks, I think, uh, like I said, I hear Angel sing, man. When I see Corey Graves is down to 12 nicknames in three hours, that 
That just makes you want to... It gives me a glow, Sean. I'm just waiting for vignettes of the architect, Seth Rollins, constructing a tomb for the king that he slayed. Right. It's going to come yeah, full circle. Know. It's going to come full circle, Jimmy. If Corey Graves does pay attention, dude, get it down to under 10, and I will send you something, all right? Get it down to, get it down to under 10, and I will send you a gift. That's a promise. Hey. Uh, what else can we talk about? I have a lot of other stuff that we haven't really talked about this week. Okay, I want to get your thoughts on something. All right? Yes, um, I would love another raise. So, I was on YouTube <laughs> the other day. You no-sold the shit out of that. I was on YouTube the other day, and you know when the sidebar has other videos that they recommend? Yeah. Right? So there was a video on the sidebar, and it was for a Impact Wrestling or TNA match from October 7, 2015. It was, it was called a World Title Series match between Rockstar, Spud, and Grado. Okay? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. Okay. Now... I was not a big Impact Wrestling guy, and I'm still not. So I haven't seen every every weekly show. I had never seen that match before. I watched that match, and I could not believe that Impact Wrestling. You know, they consider they 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 try to spin themselves as being an alternative to WWE. They try to spin themselves as being a major league wrestling promotion. I could not believe that they would allow. And I realized Dixie Carter was in control then, and Dixie Carter didn't know anything about wrestling anyway. I couldn't believe they would allow two of their guys on their television show to go into the ring and have a comedy match emulating moves made famous by WWE wrestlers. Uh, and if you haven't seen this match, Rockstar Spud versus Grado, they were doing Rock Bottom, Stone Cold Stunners. They did the Scotty Too Hottie Worm. They did the Undertaker Choke Slam, uh, the triple, the Pedigree. I watched that thinking, how on earth would you ever allow your product to turn into that when you? consider yourself to be an alternative to WWE. Like, what do you think about that? Well, ACH and Kenny Omega did it in PWG years ago, but it, works in, P- it works in PWG. Like, they yes. shove thumbs up each other's asses. Uh, Matt Riddle shoved a thumb up a guy's ass in PWG. Yeah. Not only that, they had, like, they were beating each other with the Stone Cold vest. It was very, very funny. Yeah. On cable TV, I, I think that's that's tough to go to. I love Rockstar Spud. I think he is just... A great talent. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Grado, not my cup of tea, but he yeah. makes a good go of it. So uh, good for him. I'm not going to hate on the guy. But when you're uh, whoever allowed that is the thing. I'm like, I mean, again, I, I watched that match and I thought this was indicative of the state of TNA at the time, yeah. because at the time Dixie Carter was primarily in charge, and Dixie Carter, I'm sure she's a sweet person, but she doesn't know wrestling and doesn't understand it. Uh, and again, I just could not believe that. It, I mean. Back when WWE was getting their asses kicked by WCW every week, you weren't going to see them do a segment where somebody was coming down pretending to be Sting and another guy was coming up pretending to be Hollywood Hogan. And you would never see that because you're making yourself look Bush League by doing that. And these guys did an entire like 10 minute match doing nothing but moves like that. I couldn't believe it. Comedy matches have a place, like you said, on the independent scene, they have a place. They don't have a place when you call yourself the alternative to WWE. I, I think they could have a place there as well. I mean, we saw Brizongo have a pretty entertaining one with the Usos a couple weeks ago. I loved that match. I thought it was really good. But when you're putting it in a world title series match, I question that a little bit. I mean, these are two guys who were given that opportunity. and Right. That, that's... Like, if you're trying to get your championship over and make this series seem important, do you do that? Yeah. 
Right. No, I wouldn't. No. Uh, how's our time? Okay, we got. Uh, we should get yeah. to Russo. We should. You should let me transition into these instead of just coldly with that with that ice box of a heart that you have to just <laughs> chisel before you even find it. Hey, when you're being told by somebody out of the blue that you're a fucking raving lunatic and fuck you, you have to develop a cold heart, Sean. Got to take it, man. I'm a warm-hearted person. I like people. I like doing this. I like my job. I like you, Jim Cornette. I like Vince <laughs> Russo. One person who doesn't like Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, who we actually saw on Table for Three talk to Jim Cornette about Vince. However, when Vince came back to WWE briefly in 2002, one of the ideas he said that he pitched was to get uh, Eric Bischoff involved. I was kind of wondering, you mentioned how you had kind of had laid out creative. Were there any people there then that you hadn't worked with previously that you looked at like they could be something special? I would love to do something with them uh, as in a ta- from a talent perspective. Yeah, but Eric Bischoff. I, I I pitched that whole idea to Vince. They weren't thinking about bringing Bischoff in, bro. They they haven't. They hadn't even done the WC. They hadn't even butchered the WCW invasion yet. I laid out an entire. I, I told them, I, bro. I personally don't like Eric Bischoff, but it, it's 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 never personal with me. It's always what's best for the show. And I said to Vince, you need to freaking hire Eric Bischoff. He's a great freaking talent. And I laid out an unbelievable story that included Vince Bischoff and Shane that Vince bought hook, line, and sinker. And it was one of the things that I laid out to to the writers that day. And, you know, sure enough, you know, I never went back there. But they did do the Eric Bischoff story, and they totally, they, they just totally killed it. So this was about a year after they did try the invasion angle, and it just didn't work. But they didn't have a lot of the big names. They didn't have an Eric Bischoff. Uh, how different do you think that could have been with him? Oh, I think it could have been. you, bro, I don't think they needed big names. I mean, I really don't. And, bro, let's face it. If they wanted the bigger names, they could have got them. All they had to do was pay for them. And I think, like, if I was in their writing and they needed to pay for these names – I think I would have had a story, uh, you know, where the names would have been important. I think Vince would have paid for them. So, like, I think they could have got some of the players, but I don't think creatively anybody ever laid out a strong enough story why they would need the, the, the major players. But I think Eric would have made a huge difference. There are a lot of names backstage in WWE or WWF at the time who – May have may, names that you may hear but not see. People like Kevin Dunn. Can you explain exactly what a Kevin Dunn does at WWE? Bro, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Dunn, and I I think I, I, people have no idea what Kevin Dunn does. Kevin Dunn is the executive producer of all of television. He oversees all of the television product. Kev, bro, that company, I, it, it, if Kevin Dunn ever left, it would be a severe blow. Kevin Dunn is as important to the WWE as Vince McMahon is. Bro, my time there, Kevin Dunn had nothing to do with creative. 
zero. He ran the television department, never, ever got involved creatively. A lot of times, you know, today people want Kevin Dunn's head from a creative aspect. Bro, I don't know if that changed over the years. I, I can't imagine that it had because executive producer and, and head writer are two completely different things. But uh, that company would not be the same without Kevin Dunn. Another name that you see a lot, but you don't necessarily see their face, Jim Johnston, who was involved in the music and the fact that he was able to create such a wide array of music for a long time is pretty impressive. What, What do people or how long or how much did you really work with him? I really didn't, I didn't really work with him at all, bro, because Jim Johnson was a freaking genius. And I mean, everything he freaking came up with was unbelievable. I, I sure as saying you don't work with geniuses, right? No, what I'm saying is I don't critique geniuses. I, I mean, he was a genius at what he did. I certainly wasn't going to say, no, Jim, that, that theme sucks. But, bro, that was the thing with Vince McMahon back there, bro. He surrounded himself with people that were very good at their jobs, from Jim Johnson to Kevin Dunn to Vince Russo to Jim Ross. You know, everybody was very, very, very good at their job. Fast forward, you know, 20 years later, freaking Vince McMahon's writing the TV again. I don't know how that happened. Is there a theme that you ever heard of of Jim Johnson's like like as soon as it hit and you were like that was made for this guy? Every one well, of I them. Well, I mean, man. obviously a lot of them, but like Just, you hear Val Venus is an example that that we'll use because I know that you had a lot of input on him. You hear that and you're like, well, that that's definitely what I when I hear Val Venus and I hear that theme, I can connect the two. Yeah, bro. Even like a gold dust. When you know, and I'm talking about the original freaking character, not the watered down version that they have now. But even the Goldust, when he came, I mean, God, I mean, bro, what a what a gift, man, to just be able to take these personalities and take her with the with the gong, and uh, bro, that's a talent. I mean, that that is a God given talent, man. Oh, Vince Russo. You know what? I, I do want to say I agree with him on one thing uh, when he talked about uh, how this man could have gotten the big names from WCW if he had paid for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he could have, maybe with the exception of Goldberg. But if you think about it, guys like Goldberg, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash in 2001, if this man had paid them whatever was left on their deal from Turner and then given them new contracts to bring them in, uh, I think that whole uh, that whole WWE WCW storyline would have been completely different, and it's not like in 2001 they didn't have the money because yeah. WWE. I think 2001 was the best year they ever had financially. Mm-hmm. They could have afforded it. I think with Vince McMahon it was the principal because he hated guaranteed contracts, and I don't think he liked the idea of paying these guys millions of dollars because a guy like Goldberg was probably overpaid to a degree in WCW, paying them millions of dollars and then having to sign a new contract on top of that. I think to him it was principal, but uh, it could have changed the landscape of that storyline if he had done that. And it wasn't like they weren't – they didn't have some good names. They had Rob Van Dam, who may have never been more over than at that point. Like they were – the crowd was begging for Austin and RVD. Mm-hmm. They had Booker T, who was WCW champion at that point. They had DDP, huh? who was one of the few guys that got over in WCW without – 
WWE getting him over or without being over in a decade prior. They had a few big names, but then they added, they were like, well, we're going to put Steve Austin in here. Right. Even though he very explicitly had said how much he hated WCW. We're going to put Test in, who not only was never in WCW, but had like eight matches before he came to WWF. Yeah. So they they really really... dropped the ball with that. They could have made that something... Like they, I mean, had, try, they added ivory and like people who had no connection to ECW or WCW. Yeah. Try to envision in 2001. Okay, back in 2001, if they had had, let's say, a match with Stone Cold, The Rock, The Undertaker, Kane, and whoever else against Goldberg, Sting, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and you've got Vincent Man in one corner and you've got Eric Bischoff in the other corner. Don't tell me that wouldn't have drawn and been over because it would have been. Yeah. Uh, so it was definitely a wasted opportunity, and it was definitely, I think, a financial decision. But now it's even, it's, it's even history. had they waited a year, just waited a year, and yeah. you, those guys can still wrestle. You can still have them on there, but then they get fed up with how their careers are going in this new landscape in the WWF. Right. But I don't know. Maybe you can't wait a year because I, you know, the brand splits a year later. So. Right. Oh, they they had such a chance, but a lot of those guys like Kevin Nash, he was all he was ready to sit at home for a while. He was ready to sit at home and collect those checks. I mean, I think Goldberg was probably the biggest because Goldberg has basically stated, you know. So, but again, I mean, I don't know how much he was owed. Let's say Goldberg was owed a couple million bucks, and again, if this man had said, "Here's a check for a couple million bucks, and here's another check for another couple million bucks," you think Goldberg would have turned that down? I don't think so. Yeah, but I don't know how well he would have worked in a stable situation. He is so much of a lone entity. Like he, he runs his own type of thing. So I I don't know. I don't know if he would have worked in that. Would have Sting? Sting's also kind of like that. But but he worked with like the Wolf Pack and all that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that stables. I mean, you see, you want to see the best or a good way that stables work today. New Japan, like everybody's in a stable and they make their booking work. But that's so much different. From WWE, although I am excited for those U.S. shows that New Japan's going to do, Jimmy. Well, do you remember, I think it was 97, when they had Los Bariquas, and they had the Disciples of Apocalypse, and they had, there was like two or three different gangs at that time, because that was kind of where they were going at that time, but uh, eh, who knows, it's it's all history now, you know, what can you do? I got a question for you, man. Okay. I am going to date myself. By saying this, but because nobody else will date you, to <laughs> ditch. <laughs> I should ask. I should ask my wife that question as she sits at home with my two young children and laughs hysterically. And laughs hysterically. Um, you remember Arsenio Hall? Yeah. When on his show he used to do a thing called "Things That Make You Go Hmm." Remember that? I do. And then he would ask questions that you'd kind of think about. Something hit me on Monday, and I don't know why, because it's happened a thousand times on television. It was but it hit I me. didn't hit you. Uh, uh, you're, uh, you're close. No. So the Brock Lesnar-Samoa Joe segment, which was a great segment, right? And Kurt Angle called out security, and Brock and Samoa Joe took out security. So then Kurt Angle called down the wrestlers, and a bunch of wrestlers ran in, pulled them apart. I watched that, and I thought to myself, and I don't know how this just struck me, but I thought to myself, why are the wrestlers out there? What's their incentive? Right? Gallows and Anderson were out there pulling, uh, I think they were on Brock, I think. But I watched that thinking, why are they out there? What's their incentive? They're supposed to be independent contractors 
why do they care if Brock and Samoa Joe are having a brawl in the ring? What's their incentive? What do you think about that? I think their incentive was to be in a YouTube clip that does like 5 million views because <laughs> it's the only way some of them will get on TV. I don't know, like, and they don't explain it. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's the problem. But that's something that even I, it's what some would call a wrestling pundit, didn't even think about until now. Had no, and it. and you know, imagine if that was say SmackDown, and let's say they showed. Well, they don't really have an authority figure on SmackDown, but let's let's say that they showed somebody backstage saying, "Baron, Baron Corbin, we need you to go out and and help pull these guys apart." And Baron Corbin's like, "Why the hell should I do that?" You know what? I don't care what they're doing. There's no benefit to me. You know, and I just saw that, and it was specific guys like Kurt Hawkins. Who cares? That's his. That's his chance to be on television, and no one cares. But Gallows and Anderson, why would they care? Like that's supposed to still be an echelon tag team. You know, so for whatever reason, that crossed my mind, and I wanted to bring it up to you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That that type of thing needs to be addressed. Maybe Kurt Angle backstage, like somebody says. Hey, I helped you out by trying to stop that Brock Lesnar Samoa Joe thing. Right. It's that's all it takes. It takes one little thing, and it doesn't have to be that week. It can be next week. It can be You're two right. weeks down the line. It can be a month down the line. You're right. It's okay to do that. Call maybe backs. they could give give Gallows and Anderson a tag team title shot. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it, it would make sense. Uh, do you want to talk about Money in the Bank? Let's talk about Money in the Bank. We're doing a live post show. Right after Money in the Bank. Live coverage as well, guys. Fightful.com. I am actually looking forward to the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. I think that's the match I'm the most looking forward to because it's different uh, and it's going to be unique. And I'm actually – I I hope the girls take care of themselves because that could be a dangerous match for those girls. Uh, You don't want to see anybody get hurt and you know they might want to think about their family life later on and all that. But I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, do you want to run down? I think five matches have been announced. Do you want to run down the matches and who your picks are? Yeah, women's money in the bank. See, a lot of these, I'm starting to almost grow out of predictions, but I know we got to do it for the site. So the thing is, I don't think Charlotte needs that. I really don't think she needs it. And the, and I've never seen her as a character who needs a shot at any time to be able to get that title. I look at Money in the Bank as an opportunity to get somebody over. Exactly. I mean that that's that's what it should be. And so when I look at this, I mean let's go, let's look at the men's modern, match. Modern making of the ring in in a lot of ways. And in, in a lot of ways, when you look at the men's match, and again uh, we saw a SmackDown last night, and and I think about my wife again, who's a casual fan. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura to end to end SmackDown, he pulled the the briefcase off the ladder, even though it wasn't the match. And my wife sat next to me, and she said, clearly he's not winning on Sunday. Because he already pulled it down. So she, so even she could recognize that. When you look at the guys in that match, AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, Baron Corbin, and, and Kevin Owens, I think Baron Corbin makes the most sense. Because even though to me he's never been a big a top guy as we talked about, and I don't see money in Baron Corbin, but WWE does. And if you want to get him over, that's the way to do it. So I, to me, Baron Corbin makes sense as the guy that should win that match because – Owens is established already. Nakamura is established. AJ's established, and Sammy and Dolph are—it's already kind of passed them by. Yeah. So I think I think although, Baron is. Although I do like the idea, as I mentioned on last night's show, y'all need to watch it. That's oh, that Sammy Zayn overthinking everything as Money in the Bank 
uh, winner would be hilarious. Like, he goes to the ring. He doesn't know if he should give the ref the briefcase or not. He's like, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is a bad idea. But mm-hmm. I, as Jeff pointed out on last night's post-Smackdown show, he coming full circle and finally getting had by Baron Corbin after he's got Baron Corbin's number for so long, likely the way that ends... Not it's like more. Raven, Tommy Dreamer, right? That's pretty much yeah, what it's like. Yeah, on so. a much smaller scale. Ray and Eddie had, had that too. Ray always had his number. I, I like that type of storyline where one guy, like, he gets beat by everybody else, but he has one guy's number. Barry Horowitz mm-hmm. and Skip even mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in, like, 95. Uh, Chris Candido couldn't beat Horowitz for anything. I don't think it'll be Nakamura for, for one of the reasons you mentioned, but his entrance is too long, and his entrance is so much of the character that... Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I think that Baron Corbin probably takes it. Yeah. For for the women's side, I think Charlotte probably takes it, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Carmella does. That, that's who I would use because it makes I mean, it a little I, more believable if she wins the title. I look at it again like uh, you want to build somebody up, and like you said, Charlotte doesn't need it. If it was me, I would give it to Becky Lynch because Becky Lynch has been on the cusp uh, and something that I could kind of get her over. I could see them going with Carmella because it's somebody new that you can push in that sense. But I, I don't see money in Carmella as, a, as an in-ring competitor. I don't either. Uh, so if it was me, I would do Becky Lynch. But I could see them going with Carmella. So, so often that's used as like a heel gimmick, though, the, the right. briefcase. And I right. think Carmella would fit. But with Becky, maybe it gives her an edge that right. she hasn't seemed to have for quite a while. Right. Uh, Uso's New Day, it's got to be the New Day. I mean, it's got to be. Wouldn't make sense for them to come back and have this this hot return and then lose. Yeah, I could see them stretching this out with the Usos because it looks like Brizongo is maybe going towards either the Hype Bros or, or returning mm-hmm. American Alpha. Mm-hmm. I think the Usos win this and they extend really it. yeah. I think they're going to go with New Day because New Day is their team, WWE's sure. team, and then the Usos will chase. They they are practically WWE mascots. They really are and absolutely. There are far worse mascots to have than those three guys, three really talented dudes. You saw yep. what they did on SmackDown. I called their entrance basically a WrestleMania commercial. They right. they had a full jazz band out there like playing these guys to the ring, and they said, hey, by the way, we'll be here in March or April, whenever the hell it is, so make right. sure you come back. Right, right. Gender Brandy Orton. Gender's winning that. They got to go with gender. They have to. His YouTube they, numbers you are looking good for last night, too, which is promising after last week. Last week, he had the lowest numbers for any match featuring a world champion, an active world champion, since I have tracked them. This week, it looks like he'll finish around 900000 for his segment with Randy Orton, which is pretty solid. Pretty solid for that that level of a of pretty a solid, but I'm I'm guessing it's mostly Indian views. I, I which, don't know, but I mean, you know, you got you got his right now sitting at eight seventy. You got Brock and Samoa Joe sitting at five mil. Yeah, yeah, I could see gender being mostly Indian views, which means that you said eight hundred seventy thousand. So WWE's probably made a buck buck and a quarter on that on that Indian traffic. So that's pretty awesome. Yikes. And then uh, Naomi versus Lana. I think Lana wins. You think Lana's going to win? And then maybe Naomi adds herself to the ladder match. That's or possible. Disney. See, I think I think Naomi's going to win because it makes more sense for a heel with the briefcase to chase a babyface. Sure. 
So yeah. I think I think Naomi's going to win, and and I I still don't see Lana as being a full time in ring competitor. Uh, so I I just don't see her winning. But uh, again, uh, Lana and the New Day, we talked about returns and about how it helps freshen up the brand, and they're both examples of it. Because I found the New Day going into Mania was stale, uh, and now they're, they're they feel fresh again. And Lana, you saw the pop she got last week, so yeah. I'm That's, with you, and I think Lana could become a big baby face if they wanted her to. I think she could, and I think she should. But again, I think they should put her back in, into the gear she used to wear because uh, she looks like any other girl, in my opinion, when she's in the in the nightgowns and all they that. They do a lot of weird stuff, man. Like everybody's got to have some doofy ass hair color. Like mm-hmm. you can't just have brown hair. You can't just have black hair. You can't just have blonde hair. Right. I bet these girls feel like fucking idiots walking through the airport sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Naomi's thing, wasn't that her idea? Wasn't the glow her idea? Yeah, but I mean, not all of them. Like, Becky Lynch has to walk through the airport with orange hair. Sasha Banks with purple hair. Pink, yeah, yeah. Or whatever the hell it is. I don't know what I mean, color I, it is. I mean, if, 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 if we're telling it like it is, and we've already kind of said it, Charlotte, to me, is a, is a, is a level above all of the other girls. On both brands, I just I just look at to me Charlotte and and people have said it that Charlotte is already Hall of Fame worthy. To me, she is just a cut above all the other girls. I she's just in in every sense in every sense. I, I've said this before. There are times I forget she's Ric Flair's kid because she's so good on yeah. her own, and she's only been doing it for a few years. Yeah, and that, and that's and, Randy Orton too. I don't think of him as Bob Orton's kid. I think of him as just Randy Orton. Right. There are That's very right. few people with that second generation. And with Charlotte, it's doubly hard. I think maybe it made it a little easier because she's a woman and different right. kind of footsteps. She didn't have to follow footsteps as much as she had to help blaze trails because women's wrestling is so much different now. She had cool opportunities that maybe other second generation people didn't have. Yeah, but she did. she has grasped, she's gotten a hold of it and she's taken to wrestling so fast. Absolutely. People forget how young she is in wrestling. And it's not just the in-ring. It's her presence. She has a presence about her that no, that no other girl has, and she has a promo ability that no other girl has, although Alexa's pretty good. But uh, her promo ability is above everybody else. She hasn't even been wrestling. Like Her first match was less than four years ago. Yeah. Less than four years ago. And here's another thing to think. She's 31. A couple of years ago, women were getting out of wrestling by 31. Maurice. Right. Uh, AJ Lee, uh, Beth Phoenix was getting out of it pretty early. The Bellas were gone. Well, let me ask uh, you this question. Caitlin. Do you think Do you think Charlotte's going to have longevity? Because number one, she's made it clear she got into the business as a tribute to her brother. Yeah. Because her her brother wanted to get into the business. Number one. Number two. I've seen interviews with her before. I think uh, the Renee Young interview on the network is an example where she's talked about her aspirations to be an actress, like an action star. So do you think that she has longevity or do you think that just like a lot of other girls in the company, she wants to use it as a springboard to Hollywood? Yeah, she's going to have to work on those acting chops if that's the case because mm-hmm. if you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, people are going to see that. But then again, Batista is like a, a top action star right now, at least in his his realm. Like he's a, he's a big, big star. So anything is possible. But uh, I think that's a tough one. I think she knows her meal ticket right now, and she can be. She was something very, very special on Raw. Now, Jimmy, there's something I wanted to ask you about. Do it. It was posted today on Fightful.com, of course. 
Mm-hmm. Alex wrote the story. Former NXT wrestler thinks he knows how to fix WWE's creative problem. Now, this is Marcus Luis. You all probably most remember him from getting his head shaved in a Carmella big cast Enzo angle in NXT a few years ago. He tag- he teamed with Sylvester LaFort. They were in Impact briefly. Uh-huh. And he wrote this letter. And I'm going to read it. How long is it? It's, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll skim. Paraphrase. In my quest for wrestling inspiration, I watched Raw, which I hadn't watched in well over a year. I think WWE really needs to stop recruiting wrestlers until they have solved their screenwriting issues. I know a lot of these guys on a personal level. I've seen them in the ring. I've seen them do interviews. I know their personalities. And most importantly, I understand their characters. There is so much that could be done. I have no doubt there is a detrimental level of laziness going on. Let me explain something that WWE has failed to understand. Pro wrestling is not MMA, and pro wrestling is not acting either. You cannot hand your guys scripts and have them act your play for the very simple reason that they're not actors. They will fail at that exercise. Their job isn't to fight either. You can't just have them wrestle and hope for the best. You can't have them uh, hope to recreate nor capture sports entertainment and intensity. This is not what you're dealing with. The wrestlers will fail at doing that too. Get to know your performers on a personal level. Listen to them, observe them, know their strengths, know their weaknesses, study them. You should know everything about Kalisto, Chad Gable, or Apollo Crews before you put pen to paper. It is crucial to do so. Once you know guys, start writing with them. Do not wait until Monday evening at 6 p.m. to tell them about your vision and hand them a script. It takes weeks of preparation for a trained or experienced actor to pull off a role like that. A pro wrestler cannot remotely come close to succeed at such a task. Start brainstorming weeks, even months ahead. Go on the road with your wrestlers. Same with promos and interviews. Listen to how these guys talk. Listen to their voice. Understand their vocabulary or literacy levels. You should know this talent inside out before you write anything about them. If not, you'll have these horribly painful microphone segments we're enduring with guys reciting lines they learned an hour ago, trying to be someone they have absolutely nothing in common with, especially when it comes to voice. It's hard work, but what do you want out of it? Do you want to write a mediocre show with poor acting, or do you want to write a compelling, entertaining show that feels real? How long is this letter? Well, Jimmy, I know that you professed yourself as the hashtag 30-second man earlier. Uh Oh, did I? You're talking to the hashtag 90-minute man, hashtag stamina monster. There you go. There you go. There's more, but basically it's him saying... I get the gist. Cut the office versus boys nonsense shit, too. It takes long-term planning. I I agree with the dude. We've talked about this uh, in various weeks. And and you know what? I want to profess again, because we've talked about this. We're not saying that we know everything. And it's a tough job what those writers do. And, uh, and you know, it's not something that I would ever want to do. At one point, I did in my life. And I sure as hell wouldn't do it now for any price because it's a, it's a thankless job. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about it, right? You can't write a word-for-word script for somebody and essentially have them speaking the way that you're thinking because that's what you do when you give somebody a word-for-word script. you got to give them bullets. You have to let them talk their own way and just make sure that they hit the points of the story that you want them to hit. Um, and they just haven't been doing it. I mean, at least the, the good thing now is that you can clearly tell that some guys are improvising, like the Miz is an example, yeah. because no one is writing word for word the stuff that he's saying every week. Kevin Owens is another one where you can tell that Kevin Owens is kind of doing it his own way, and he's, he's touching on the points, but he's doing it in his own way. So at least we're seeing a little bit more freedom, but 
but he's right. You can't do word-for-word scripts for these guys. They have to do it in their own way. This is something the Pope Elijah Burke actually put over Vince Russo for in an interview I did last year, one of the first I did for Fightful. He said that Vince would come with come to him with bullet points, and Pope would say stuff like, well, some people hand me scripts, and Vince goes, what the hell do I know about you and your life? He's like, I'm 50. What? He's what? Like, yeah. So 20 years ago, he was against it, and now it's all the rage. No, 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 no. No. What? No, Vince Vince Russo, rather. Oh, Vince Russo. Sorry. Vince Russo. In Impact Wrestling. Okay. <laughs> this was this was about eight, nine years ago. And okay, he was okay. like, what do I know about an Elijah Burke? Like, how you're yeah. going to talk, how you're going to do stuff. And uh, the guys who do that, I think, I think it works a lot better. Now, there are some yeah. people that have to be scripted. There are some of those people, but... But again, I... It, and again, we've talked about it. It's about accentuating the strengths and hiding the weaknesses. And, and going back to Nia Jax, because we've spoken about her in the past, Nia Jax should not be cutting promos, right? Correct. As much as, as, much as they try to make her look strong by hitting your music and they zoom in on her eyes and, and they, yeah. you know, she's looking around and, and it makes her look strong. And then she comes down and clearly she's bigger than all the other girls. As soon as she opens her mouth, it kills the character because she's a, she's a, a Southern California girl cutting a promo. They they they've lost touch with the strengths and the weaknesses of their characters too. I don't want this to be a shit fest because we talked about it already. But a lot of what that guy says is is accurate. And she, and she was born in Hawaii though. I don't whatever, whatever. I'm just She's saying. From San Diego. She opens her mouth, kills the character. That's just yeah. how it is. I'm with you, man. Yep. Anything else? Or are we wrapping it up? We're done, man. We're done. So um, should I respond to Jim Cornette? Yeah. What do you want to say? Surprise me. We'll read it next week on the air. You know what I should say, Sean? So he said uh, uh, much less five or ten grand. What if I responded and what if I said, what about 11.5? Why are you doing a bobblehead thing? You're like, what if I said (laughs) 11.5? I wanted to know what you were going to say about that. (laughs) Well, um... All right. What do, do you, you think he would say about that? Do you like strawberry jam? That that'd be maybe the next one. <laughs> Grape jelly to strawberry jam. Ah, yeah. Damn, guys, we are back this weekend. Myself and Showdown Joe will be doing a show just a few hours after the UFC Singapore show uh, finishes. We will be coming at you live. Don't know about the Kovalev Ward thing yet. I'll get with Carlos and I'll keep you guys updated. But Sunday. I'm back for Money in the Bank with Anna and Alex. Fun times ahead this weekend. Go register at Fightful.com. Enter our contest over on the forums. You'll see the, the sticky thread. Correctly guess the number of times that Vince Russo says bro on next week's show. And you could win a Phil Singer game starter pack. Jimmy, what are your plans for this week, this weekend? I have family coming in to uh, look at little Jimmy. And, uh, yeah, that's about it, man. Well, Family well, thankfully, stuff. Thankfully, little Jimmy's little Jimmy survived this week. It did. Little Jimmy's little Jimmy survived this week. It might not uh, survive otherwise, next week. Otherwise, he might deal, be dealing with an R-Truth little Jimmy that just doesn't exist if you get that butcher. Oh, no, no. We're not going to get the butcher. Oh, no, 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 no. He can stay in Windsor. We don't need him. Man. 
This weekend, guys, join us. Money in the Bank live discussion. I'll have a forum thread up for it, too. I want to thank you guys so much for uh, joining us today. One of our biggest shows we've done yet. Please like us. Leave a thumbs up. Subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Leave us a positive review. That stuff helps, too. Most importantly, let people know about it. If you're digging the podcast, tweet about it. Post on Reddit about it. Uh, Dig up your grandma and say, Grandma, I know you're dead, but this podcast is really good. It's really good. Uh, Fightful.com is not responsible for any shit you may get yourself into by listening to what I have to say, but, you know. Fightful.com, you guys. Till next time, we're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.